My name is Jeremy Devins and welcome to the Yoga Teacher Training Podcast. And it's so perfect that on the first official episode here that I get to interview one of my teachers and mentors, Angie Knight. So when I first found her class around 2013, there was something different about her class. It stood out. It wasn't just the typical postures. It wasn't even just the typical yoga philosophy or depth of yoga, which so many, I've been to so many great teachers who do offer that. But there's something different about Angie in that she's come to this from a shamanic path. So she really infuses a lot of spiritual wisdom into what she teaches. There's a lot of heart in what she teaches. And a lot of awareness of holding space for others to let their vulnerability out and modeling that by being vulnerable herself. So I think you'll hear that in the interview and I'm really grateful that we got to sort of transmit that in the interview. You'll pick up on it like she's very vulnerable, she's very real, very much from the heart and you just can't fabricate that. She lives that and gives that in her teachings and in this interview. So I'm really grateful that we caught that. One of the things that I really uh, picked up from her in my own study with her, I did a mentorship with her several years ago. Uh, I actually got to assist in her teacher training uh, this year in 2019. And still, just being around her in her presence, one of the things that I really picked up is learning how to trust my own intuition. And we actually get to cover that in this episode too, so I'm very happy we got into that. And also learning how to just hold space for myself and then how to hold space for others. And we'll cover that in the episode as well. We got to touch on a lot of really cool things. It's a great interview, and I'm really happy with it, and I think you'll really enjoy it and get a lot out of it. So a little bit more about Angie. So I know you may not have heard of her before, but to me, she's like a superhero, and I know to a lot of people in the Austin, Texas area, uh, she's sort of like this best-kept secret of a teacher. Uh, But she's actually been teaching for 20-plus years. She's taught over 10,000 classes. And she leads teacher trainings, mentorships, uh, seminars, and retreats all over the world, internationally. And she really has a gift for combining yoga and healing to facilitate transformation for others. And the way she would describe it is like she helps people remember their inherent wholeness to discover what makes them come alive. And I think you'll hear that in the interview as well. Like she really embodies that. There's a lot of life and vitality in the way she talks, and I love it. And it kind of brings me out of my shell a little bit because I'm usually a little more calm and subdued. Uh, So what she's created is this event called Time to Fly, Rising in Love. And it's happening in Austin, Texas in just 10 days from when I'm posting this. But if you're listening to it after this, that's totally fine. Go check out her website, angienightyoga.com anyway, because you can check out this course that she's created, which is sort of the precursor to Time to Fly. And she's going to be offering this event in the future again. So you'll see it if you know if you miss this July 2019 date, you'll see it in the future. But what that event is all about is really helping people basically find and notice their limiting beliefs. And the way she would describe it is like realizing that they've been living inside this cage of their conditioned beliefs, but the door to that cage has always been open, right? And that's something she shared in classes I've been to before that has stuck with me. Just like the, the thoughts that we have, the beliefs we have are the prison. The actual prison doors that we imagine are there are our own beliefs. And we can change those instantly, change our thoughts and beliefs instantly. There's definitely hard work involved. And we'll get into that in the episode of really the process of that. Uh, But I love that aspect of what she teaches. So you can check out angienightyoga.com. That's night with a K. And use the promo code FLASH20. 
That's F-L-A-S-H 20. You can also see the link in the show notes to go check it out and get 20% off this event of Time to Fly, Rising in Love. And you can also get that course, Know Yourself, that she offers there for free by joining the Time to Fly course. All right, it's anginetyoga.com. And before we start, we're actually going to get into a little meditation that she led. She led this meditation just for us to sort of get synced up before the interview. But I was recording and she didn't know and I got her approval and she's like, yeah, that's actually pretty good. We can use that. So uh, I'm happy that she liked it and uh, that I was recording when she did this little meditation for us. So you can join in as well. It's just a little two minutes sort of check in with the heart and uh, then we'll start talking about all the awesome things that she's up to and how we can work with our limiting beliefs how we can work with holding space for others, holding space for ourselves, and how we can learn to trust our intuition and go out of, go from living in these conditioned, limiting beliefs to living in possibility, living in our imagination, living in our intuition. All right, enjoy the interview. So just take a slow breath. And exhale, emptying out our mind, nervous system. Inhale, bringing the energy up into our heart and our throat and our brain. Exhale, remembering what it feels like to let go. Two more slow breaths, noticing the pauses in between the breaths. And riding the grounding current down through our bodies, through the first floor and to the ground. Taking a moment to drop into the center of our heart and breathe out of and back into the heart. And then as we inhale, allowing our heart centers to reach out towards one another and connecting. And exhale, coming back home. And take one more breath. so grateful to be here with one of my mentors and teachers, Angie Knight, someone who I've been honored to get to work with for many years now and uh, who's doing some really cool new things uh, beyond just the typical yoga classes and yoga teacher trainings and retreats and mentorships and all the cool things that you do. Uh, so we're going to talk about some limiting beliefs and things that might be holding us back and how that's working in our lives and how they might show up in ways that we might not always be aware of and how we can work with those things to create the lives that we know we're meant to live and to bring out and bring forth the gifts that we have within us. And you've been uh, somebody who's I've watched do that and you've been an inspiration to me. So I'm really grateful to have you here in this context and to help you get to share that with people. And uh, I'm just really excited to, to dive into this. I'm excited to be here, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, thank you. So tell, tell everyone a little bit about you and your background and how you got to this point. So, how far back should I go? <laughs> uh, well, I 
think we should go back to when I first moved to Austin because we are now at that location, which is kind of <laughs> blowing my mind. So I moved back to Austin from Alaska 12 plus years ago, and I actually lived in the same place where you live now, <laughs> which is tripping me out. It's incredible. Um, we didn't know that until we until she came over here to record. I, I typed in the address and then I pulled up and then I called him. I was like, "Did you give me the wrong address?" And I'm like, "This is where I first lived." So that's when I started getting in the yoga community. Back then, I had taught in Alaska, but um, the, the yoga did we meet at Yoga Yoga? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so how many years have we known each other? Uh, probably since 2013. Oh, or 14, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Long time. Um, so we kind of grew into that community. I grew into that community and taught yoga for many years and then started branching out into leading retreats and then developed a teacher training program. And I had a mentoring program. Were you was, in the first one? I was in the first one. <laughs> and what year was that? I think that was 2014, 15. Okay, you're yeah. just going to help me <laughs> my life here. Um Anyways, so I had a mentoring program where I helped people grow into themselves was basically the intent behind it. And to it was called the Art of Holding Space. So it was how to hold space for others, but it kind of morphed over the years and how to have your own back, mm. which is what I needed to learn yeah. about yeah. because I have served others at my own expense historically. Mm. So then I kind of got on a kick about teaching people how to have their own back and how to be there for themselves. So not only like how to listen to another human being in a non-judgmental, loving, compassionate, grounded way, but how to do that for myself, how to teach other people to do that for themselves became my new mission. And then... Most recently, I had an event, a workshop that wasn't yoga-centered, and it was in January, and I said walking into it, this is going to change the course of my career and my, my life's work, but I didn't know what that meant. You know how sometimes you say something and yeah. you know it to be true, but you don't know what the heck you're saying? Right. It was one of those moments, and I was actually terrified of that weekend because I, every time I sat and tried to come up with a plan, like was waiting for the download, which usually happens, it wasn't happening. Mm. And I was like, okay, these people are spending, you know, a lot of money to do this event and I don't have a plan. But that's the way that things come through me and I know that, right? So this was just kind of the largest scale of me trusting that I'm going to drop into my heart and what needs to come out will come out and it was beautiful like happens every time I have to do that mm. it's better than what I could have planned because what shows up is what needs to happen and then I'm hyper tuned into what's there rather than trying to go with a formula or a plan right and it was an amazing weekend. I was I was so high after that. And I didn't yet know the effects of the people there until a little bit later. As a result of that, I woke up maybe three days later with a download, uh -huh. is what I call it. <laughs> and it's just like, this is what you're going to do. 
this is what it looks like skeleton frame right and before i had a chance to get freaked out i started taking actions which i've learned over the years that's kind of a male quality that i don't necessarily naturally have Mm. i like to be in the moment and in order to bring something from a download into this planet you have to take a lot of action Mm. so i just started taking action and before i knew it my pretty much entire life has changed and my work has changed and this is happening since january yeah Yeah. oh so some of the people that came to the january event i said i didn't know how it affected them now i do and the people on my team three out of five or six of them were at this event wow and Three of us have left our jobs of 12, 15, and 20 years. (laughs) So I don't mean to freak anybody out. You don't have to leave your job. Um, And and the other one has had more internal shifts that are pretty profound for her. And then I've been in touch with the people that came to the event. And some of it was more subtle. But it's been so inspiring to me how necessary this message and this movement is at this point in time and so I'm kind of on fire (laughs) not always in a grounded way either but it feels like the energy of the only thing I can equate it to is falling in love Mm. and you know when you first fall in love you're just on fire right it's not very grounded but it's like it's almost like this thing needs to be born and I feel like a download is just like do you want to say yes to this yeah and if I didn't it would go on right and but I did I said yes like all caps explanation point and so it feels like this thing that has to happen um and yeah 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 I love that. And I, I imagine some people are listening um, may not have heard this like this concept of what you're talking about, like of receiving a download. And mm-hmm. I know from like the art of holding space and mentorship and working with you for so long, like I've sort of embodied that as well. And I've personally like learned to like get out of my own way. And like mm. if and people like sometimes I, I'm working a lot and people are asking me like, you must be exhausted, like you're doing all these things. And it's like, I'm not doing anything. It's like, mm. I'm letting it happen through me. Yeah. And if I was doing this, I would be exhausted. <laughs> but if because I'm allowing it, it's it's a lot easier. And, and I imagine, like, you know, that's what I've picked up from working with you. And I imagine that's, like, what you're, you're saying is your experience as well, where you're, like, you're allowing this thing to come through you. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's how the download came through. Is that is that your experience? Yeah. And just to define what I call the download is... It's when you're in a receptive state. So it can, for me, it was when I first woke up. Or it can be while you're running or taking a shower. You know, when you have those epiphanies. And it's when you're not in your mind and you're in a relaxed, receptive state. And I don't exactly know how it happens, but it's idea or inspiration that just comes through in a very clear manner. And you can either push it away and go back to your routine or you can say yes to the inspiration and the idea and 
then take action to bring it to fruition. So for me, it's very similar to what you described, but it's it's a balance of effort and ease. Yeah. So a lot of, I've actually had to put in, I've worked harder than I've ever worked on anything in my life. Yeah. And to be honest, it has been exhausting. Yeah. But it's like the necessary pains of childbirth is what it feels like. And to keep working has been a no-brainer because I'm so inspired. So I love that. And I imagine people listening might be thinking, like, how do I know if it's a download or just like Mm. some thought I have or something, some belief I'm picked up from someone else Mm -hmm. or some old pattern or conditioning? Like, how do you distinguish between the truth and the what I should be doing or think I should be doing. Ooh, Jeremy, we could go so deep on this one. You just gave me so much, I don't even know where to start. Okay, so it's how it feels. So it's personal. It's how it feels inside of you. And it's, it's that it's your heart knowing. It's your heart knowing. And you can do that consciously through meditation and access that, or it can come through naturally when you're not operating exclusively in your head. And there is an innocent quality to it. I don't know if that's the right word, but there's a purity. And I don't know that that's truth because you know me, I'm not, I don't think anything's right or wrong or Mm. true or untrue, but, but it is truth for me and for this time. And the way that you can tell is when it first comes through, do you expand? Like, do mm. you expand mm. or do you contract? And, and it has to be right away because even if it's from your heart, you just wait another five minutes or the next day and your brain's going to start telling you all the reasons why that's that's not a good idea. Right. Right? That's the yeah. risk assessor. The mind right. kicks on. So in the moment, do you just like expand out from your, from your heart? Yeah. I think is the way to tell. I love that. Um, and I'm remembering now when I, I, maybe one of the first classes of yours I went to, because we've had, I guess we've had a lot of synchronicities bringing us together. Like I was uh, at a friend's house and they had this book about spirit animals. And I've mm-hmm. never really, before that I'd never really looked at those kind of books I was just like oh that's kind of interesting but I actually mm-hmm. like looked through it and like thumbed open to a page and it was like I don't know some like jaguar or something I don't remember exactly what it was but I think it was the, that day or the next day I went to your class and you were talking about spirit animals in the class and you mentioned that same animal that I saw in the book oh. and that was bef- like maybe the second or third class I'd taken with you maybe the first but that 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 synchronicity, that like intuition, like the insight that had me to like look at the book, and that insight, that that intuition that told me to like go to your class, like that I knew I was like onto something. Like I just keep going in that direction, and like I think the more I've listened to that voice, like the easier it gets to hear it. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's your experience too, where it's like you, you kind of like okay, I did, I followed that voice, and it led me in this place, and that felt really good, and then it led me this place, and that felt really good, and this seems like it's all in alignment. And you just keep following it like that. And not that there's not bumps in the road. Oh, yeah, right. But there's those. My friend, I don't know if you know Greg Davis. He's a no. photographer for National Geographic. But he calls them God winks. Oh, yeah. But they're, they're um, serendipitous, synchronistic yeah. moments yeah. where 
you feel like life is giving you an affirmative, yeah. right? And yeah. it is when you're following that inner calling that I feel like that happens more and more. And I think synchronicities are happening all the time, mm. but when we're out of our comfort zone, we're paying attention. We're really present. Yeah. Because we're not just following the traditional roadmap. Right. When you're living from your heart. So what do you think blocks people the most from doing that? Like they might be... They might even be feeling like they they hear that voice or they feel this calling or this pull, like something in them says, like, maybe I should quit my job or Mm -hmm. maybe I should move here, but they don't do it. They don't listen to it. Like what, what is blocking them? Like, why is it like they might still have this calling, but they're like, seem like they're unable or, or something's blocking them from actually like following it. So most people feel shame about that. They're like, oh, I know. Most people know. They have little voices and little callings about other things that they're meant to do in life, but it's scary. So then they feel ashamed often if you were to go underneath it. But what I'm gonna share with you can liberate you from that shame because there's, there's no reason to feel ashamed. It is your brain. It's your programming and it's your conditioning that keeps you in this box because when you were first born, you were alive and present and in awe and curious about things. Mm. And, and you allowed for emotions, right? You had a tantrum or you were happy and often in the same breath, those things would happen. And we didn't have this conditioning that inhibits that creative movement inside of us. And we were present. We were connected to life. And then we start getting educated. We start listening to the voice of our parents. And they've also been conditioned in whatever ways they've been conditioned. And so, I mean, I even found myself doing this to my youngest who's so present. Like, I can't even get him into the car when he was younger because he would be chasing a butterfly, which is beautiful, (laughs) right? But sometimes you have to get in the car. So I'd be like, Sebastian, don't chase the butterfly. So we get this conditioning of like oh you you need to do that to be a good boy right or no 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 that's bad and so then we start to have programming mm-hmm. so i did this um i got hypnotized recently yeah. and um which i've never done before i'm not into somebody taking over my subconscious but it was um online so i figured it was safe right. and oh my gosh it took me all the way back to when i was 2 and I had a memory and I checked it with my parents and it matched up. Wow. And it was about it was about getting rid of the fear of rejection, which we all have to some degree. Yeah. And so it took me back to three different times in my life where I had taken on the belief that I was rejected, that I was unworthy. Wow. And the one that was two, I saw myself like in a diaper. And I was chasing my sister and these two neighbor friends down the hallway. And they closed the door on my face and my finger was in the door. So I think it was traumatic at that age and that's why it stuck. But in that moment, I took on the belief that they don't want me in there. Mm. Like I'm the only one and they shut the door in my face. Right. That's like ultimate rejection. Right. And at two was the first time I took on that belief. (laughs) So then what happens is you go out into the world and you look for proof of that. Right. And so you see it. It's like when you're tuned into the synchronicities, they're happening all the time. Yeah. And so when you're tuned into, okay, I'm not worthy, you're going to look for proof of it. And then say you don't see it. Say everybody's being loving to you. You're going to act or speak or do something to make it happen. Yeah. And that's 
all subconscious. Right. So that's what's getting in the way of you following your heart's deepest desire is this programming. Yeah, and it's like something in our brains, like it has to reconcile beliefs. Like if I believe that I'm unlovable and I'm not seeing evidence of it, like that's that's cognitive dissonance. Like my brain has oh, got to yeah. say that can't be true. Oh. That is what my brain believes. So I've got to validate it. I've got to create it. That's that's amazing stuff. I, I mean, you've you've experienced it personally, and I've seen it personally. You've seen it with people, I'm sure. But there's also there's like there's valid brain science behind that too. That I've I've done some research on that too. Of course you have. <laughs> I need you to come with me and back up all my intuitive right. <laughs> right. stuff. Well, you don't really need it, but some people who are very left brain look, you know, it yeah. helps us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so when, okay, so somebody's aware of that, and then what do they do with it? Yeah. So now you're aware that you're doing that. Right. Now Here's what? the really brilliant thing. Yeah. You don't have to do that much because yeah. awareness shifts everything. Right. It's just been in there. And like you said, there's cognitive dissonance. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, so then you bring it to light. And so in this particular circumstance, I was like, oh my gosh. So when I was two, of course you're going to feel, if you're the only one left out of a room, to the degree that they're going to slam your finger in the door, you're going to believe at two years old, like your proof is saying that you're not wanted, right? And so I realized that there was other big things in my life that affirmed that. But seeing it, I, I was able to do a couple of things. I was able to look at that experience through my adult perspective now. And I was able to see, oh, it's not that they didn't want me around. It's that my older sister was being an older sibling. Right. And then the two neighbor kids were going along with it. And that doesn't mean anything about me. Yeah. Nothing. So it's not true. And then I was able to go back and rewrite it. So like, what would I have wanted to happen in that situation? What would I have wanted to tell my two-year-old self if there was someone there that could not let that belief stick. And so I was able to like rewrite the dream. And then, um, and then once you have an awareness of it, then you can really simply just say, do I want this belief or not? Hmm. And you can just toss it. Like I just picture myself tossing it like, okay, I've done this in so many areas of my life and I've told you about some of them, but um, one of them was around money. Yeah. And I have all this programming around money. And so I took on some of each of my parents' beliefs around money. And then I had my own mishmash version of it. Right. And one day I just sat there and I did this process that we will do over this weekend. Not this weekend, but the event. Yeah. Um, and I looked at my beliefs and I brought them up. I brought them up to the surface and was like, oh, yeah. Life has been mirroring that back to me. Yeah. And it wasn't a negative belief. It was really that the universe has my back. Hmm. But just enough. Right. Like, there will always be enough right. to get by. And my life has proven that. And I can tell you miracle after miracle of money just flying in from nowhere to affirm that. Right. And so I have a deep trust in the universe to take care of me. But just enough. Right. And so the day I saw that, I was like, I'm tossing it. I'm totally going to toss it. And not only am I going to toss it, I'm going to try on a radically different belief which is the next thing you can do. You can consciously choose, like, what would I want to believe? Right. And then you just put it in there, and there's ways to expedite the process. You can, like, say it to yourself a thousand times a day if you've said the other thing a thousand times. Right. 
You can start acting as if it's true. You can just claim it, like claim it now, and then you, you are it. So you don't say like, I want to have enough money to live in freedom. You yeah. say, I have, I am um, abundant enough to live in total freedom now. Right. Because if you say, I want to be healthy, you're basically saying I'm sick. You're saying I'm not healthy. I'm not healthy. I want to be. Yeah. yeah. And so it's always right over there. Yeah. So you reprogram your brain by declaring it to be true. And then you start acting as if it's true. Yeah. So I've done this to the nth degree. I don't necessarily recommend everybody try what I did. But yeah. when I tossed that belief, I just started acting as if I had the money that would make me feel free. So, for example, my, my lease was up on my apartment that we had lived in for six years. And I have two kids. It was a two-bedroom. And so I was like, hmm. And we were just driving around looking for a house. And we ended up moving into this beautiful house. And I had no, I hope my landlady doesn't listen to this podcast. I had no idea how I was going to pay for it. But I sure made myself sound like the best candidate. And so we moved into this beautiful house. And then, you know, just another example, my car started having problems. And so I just drove it to the dealership. And it wasn't a brand new car, but it was like almost brand new. First time ever. I was like, oh yeah, that's my car. Like that's the kind of car I would drive if if I'm abundant enough to be free. Right. And so, sure enough, um, I moved into this house, didn't even have furniture for it, and I went upstairs in the game room, and I was like, I don't even have furniture for this room. And then, it was like, and this is what happens when you leap, because when you're living in the conditioning beliefs, your view is really narrow. Mm -hmm. And when you jump, and you start to expand outside of that, you start to see possibilities everywhere. So I was looking at this room, my old conditioning would be like, you don't even have enough money to buy furniture. Right. And then in popped, this is a yoga studio. Mm. <laughs> this is a beautiful yoga studio. Right. And so I had my first like in-house retreat wow. and just started becoming the person that I was saying I am. That's so good. I've definitely had that belief of, uh, I had this for a couple of years for sure, of I always end up having enough like it's always end up like no matter how low my bank account would get in the past I'd always say well I know I'm always going to make it I'm going to pay the bills and I there was actually a point like maybe a year ago too where I had a similar realization of just like oh that I'm always going to have just enough and that's that's what I ended up having it was just enough and no more and it was like I'd pay the bills and I'd be okay but uh no more than that and it's so interesting because another synchronicity, I guess. Like, I've been on a similar path over the last year of just, and maybe this is applying, like, maybe these are the same things you're teaching at the retreat. Maybe I've just picked them up synergistically, energetically from being around you for over so many years. Uh, but, like, feeling into, like, okay, so I had a I had a car that was all broken down and beaten down. and uh, Just enough. Yeah, just enough. And the, the bumper was falling off and I had to tape it back up. <laughs> And duct tape. Duct tape. Or gorilla tape. Yeah, I used gorilla tape because it matched the paint color. <laughs> That's my favorite way to fix everything. And uh, it just kept, it would fall off, and then I put it back on. And I was driving one time with Christine, and like this whole like part of my undercarriage of my car fell off. And oh my she's like, "Oh my god, you she need, must really love you." She's like, "You need to get a new car <laughs> if now." You got her in that car. You know she loves you. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
and the, the side of it, like I couldn't open the passenger door, so I would have to open the door for her. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like this, she was trapped in there? <laughs> she could get out, <laughs> oh, oh, but she couldn't get in unless oh, I, okay. so I would say it was built in chivalry, so I'd have to open the door yeah. for her every time. But uh, the bottom like fell off and she's like, you need a new car now. And I'm like, I just took off all this extra dead weight I had under my car. It's like, I got a new car. So I always had a positive attitude about it. Like I never let it be like, oh, my shitty car. And like, I have to drive this car around. It's like, I'm happy and positive and free and like light and easy. And like, I, I have a sunroof. This is amazing. I have a sunroof. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but then I started to like, I was like, as the car is getting older, like I knew I had to get rid of it soon. Cause like I thought I was going to be paying all this money in repairs anyway. So I might as well put that money into a new car. So I just started, instead of thinking like I need a new car, my old car sucks. Like this car has got to go. I just kept feeling like it's going to feel, I mean, I, I did not, it's going to, it's, it feels so good to drive my car. And I just imagine like being in that new car and like how good it feels. And like, just, I'm in it and I'm driving it and I like, feel the breeze and it's amazing. And I just kept like embodying that feeling of being in that new car. That's it. Yeah. I so. got chills. Did you imagine what kind of car and what color? Uh, yeah, okay. pretty much. Okay. I, I mean, it was really close. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so I would just like, instead of like needing to be in the car to feel like I'm in the car, I felt like I was in the car. And then after doing that for like two months, I, I got on my computer and I was like, why don't I have this car already? And I just went on this website and within five minutes I bought, the, I ordered the car. Oh, Jeremy, I love this story so much because that you just, you just nailed, you just nailed the process, Yeah. which is, you just nailed so much actually. And was, I don't think it's from you hanging out with me. I think this is a paradigm shift that's happening. Yeah. It's an awakening that's happening yeah. and we're a part of it. And of course we're both stewards for that. Right. Mm. And you have to live what you're teaching, which right. sucks so much of the time, <laughs> but in this case it's awesome. Well, it is hard work. Yeah, it is. So undo those beliefs. Yeah. Sometimes it can be fun. It, it should be always, I mean, it's always fun really. I mean, it, just the perspective. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely some sacrifice and like some, untangling of some wires yes. but that in itself can be play as well yeah so can i just recap what you just Please, said yeah. in terms of um so the the retreat that i'm leading is called time to fly rising in love and it is that process that you just went through about looking at your beliefs about your car and it wasn't necessarily a negative thing right you had a great attitude about it but then letting your car crumble, but then also letting that belief crumble and with a little nudge from your girlfriend. And, <laughs> and then what you did was you activated what is everybody's superpower, and that's your imagination. Mm. And people I know, because I was highly imaginative when I was young, and it was discounted. Oh, that's just your imagination, right? right? We don't equate imagination with knowledge. But Einstein said imagination is more important, more valuable than knowledge. And you know I have a thing for Einstein, oh, but yeah. um, not anymore. That's another story. So you activated your superpower, which is your imagination. And what your imagination is actually doing is it's creating. Mm. It's, it's, that's how creation works. But we think that the things are happening to us. We don't realize that what we're imagining is being created. But it happens largely through uh, our worries 
and stuff. Right. And so we're creating what we don't want unconsciously. So what you did is you brought it to your awareness and then you started to feed it with your imagination, which is manifestation power or like manifestation is the effect of that right. consciousness shift. And you imagined it as if it were true. So that's bringing it into present time. You could have imagined, oh, the day when I can drive this car, right. and then it would have taken a long time, if not forever. Yeah. So you imagined it as if it was true, and then desire was the other word you said. That's the magic ingredient, because you can't just say, oh, I have this new car. You have to feel it. Right. That's the juice. Like you have to feel it. You have to feel it in your body as if it's already true. Exactly. And then it right. is. Right. That's how it works. Exactly. But people don't realize that. Yeah. It's not that hard. Right. And I, so the thing I come back to is people think maybe that's ungrounded or unrealistic. Yeah. Or like you're just living in la la land. Yeah. Like you've got to do hard work. Like mm -hmm. you can't just like imagine things and then you get them. Mm -hmm. But I think of like, Whenever I think of that, I think of the most grounded, practical, like salt of the earth people in the world are people who write blueprints, uh, and, like construction workers who are following a blueprint that somebody imagined. They looked at a big empty space of land and imagined this building in extreme detail. And then in, sh in a short time, there it is. Because like if they didn't have the blueprint, though, they could never have made it. Right. And if somebody didn't have that vision of like, okay, it's going to be like this, it's going to be this many windows, blah, blah, blah. Like you've got to start there and then that person who's imagined it's like it exists like this is what we're making there's no like oh I, I you know someday i want to make this building it's like here's the building mm -hmm. it's happening it exists in my mind now we're going to bring it here onto this piece of ground and then you, there is like you know you've got to hire the contractor you got to hire you know there's like the groundwork to do it uh, so it's not just automatic. You can't just make a blueprint and you're done. But you've got to have, like, you've got to start there. Mm -hmm. And you've got to, like, that's that's the most important thing. If you just started building without the blueprint, without the vision, then you're just going to end up, you know, going in circles and, you know, doing random things. And it's going to be aimless, right? So it sounds like what you're creating in this workshop is that space for people to create that blueprint. And then so they know the next steps and then like so they start there with the vision and the intention and the feeling and then the next action is obvious from there like what they like you don't have to think about it. like when I was so full of that feeling of like it feels so good to be in my new car at some point it's like I have to just like go get the car now <laughs> it was like I can't just like feel this feeling and not be in the car because it's my car right <laughs> <laughs> where, where is it it's my car I'm gonna go get it. I now. mean, it's here. Yeah. It just needs to find its way to me. Right. So, so tell us about your uh, event. So tell us like, the details, mm -hmm. uh, who it's for, like uh, who, like if anyone's thinking about signing up, like uh, like why they might want to sign up if they aren't already getting the idea of like what it is and how it's gonna help them. So. Um, it is called Time to Fly Rising in Love, and it's a women's weekend event here in Austin, July 27th and 28th, and it is for women, although these concepts are also for men, it just felt appropriate for this first one to be women because I'm a woman, and I can relate to women really, really well. And I've done women's retreats for many years. It's just a little bit different of a container. The dynamics shift a little bit yeah. when there's both sexes in the room. But I have a notion that moving forward 
it will be for both. Yeah. Um, so it, this weekend is a women's weekend, and we've rented a beautiful event center in central Austin called VUCA. And so it'll be a weekend of... It's a gorgeous space. It's so expansive and nice. It's yeah. one of the nicest venues I've been to. I, I love, love it. it. Yeah. I actually used to teach there when they first opened. Oh, cool. So um, I knew Brian from there. But so it's not a yoga event, but everybody's going to have a spot for a yoga mat and props because we will do embodiment. Mm -hmm. And there also will be chairs if people don't want to sit on the floor. So it'll be a weekend of basically this process of expanding your capacity to be with yourself in a way that's safe which we have from teaching meditation and yoga but not everybody has that practice of coming into presence and um, softening the judge Mm. because when we have judgments about our experience and particularly the feelings that we're having we might have spent however many decades trying to push away certain feelings and all feelings are that fuel Right, yeah. and so so the the more you stifle your feelings is the degree with which you stifle your creativity, right. which is where that voice comes through. Mm. So basically, helping people go through the process that you and I have gone through over years of of expanding our capacity to be with what is, yeah, and that creates a safe enough container to go underneath and and see what beliefs we've been living in, yeah, because. If we do that without that container, we're going to feel scared or ashamed and we're going to do whatever weird things we do to not have that come to the surface. I've got to say, like, the value of the container and, like, the space that you hold in particular is invaluable. Like, Christine is going through a, um, grad school right now and she's doing some of this, like, deep emotional work mm-hmm. in grad school. Mm-hmm. But she's like, there's no container. Mm-hmm. Like. It's, we get so used to in the yoga community and like yeah. to have like space holders like you that can like hold that so well mm-hmm. where it's really safe and like mm-hmm. you can like feel those deep deep feelings that like way under the surface like like I just had that realization she was talking about her experience in grad school where like yeah they're talking about deep emotions and you people might talk about deep emotions like in their therapy or like in some context like uh, they might find that but it's, it's very different in like the space that you hold and the space that you create is very uh, inviting, very safe, non-judgmental, like you're saying. Um, and I've been able to do, like personally done a lot of really deep personal growth and deep work just by having that container held and uh, that being, you being a witness in that way. And I think you, mm-hmm. that's one of your unique gifts that uh, I, I'm really grateful for, that you hold the space really well for those kind of things. Thanks, Jeremy. Yeah. Well, and the cool thing is some of the things that we're ashamed about and some of the things that we've been told or conditioned to think are wrong with us are actually our gifts. Mm. I've seen this for so many years. So it's like once you realize you don't have to be ashamed of this thing, this is actually amazing if you cultivate it or acknowledge it. And, And... so the concept of giving people a safe place in order to be with themselves, but also the encouragement in order to grow, because we need that. Like, if you had that growing up, I know there's some super successful people whose parents trusted their decisions and you know, trusted their mistakes, but most of us didn't have that, yeah. right? Most of us had a different kind of conditioning where we've um, separated from certain parts of ourselves because they weren't 
seen, they weren't acknowledged, they weren't cultivated or appreciated because they didn't have the lens to do that. Right. There's nobody to blame here. It's just an awakening. Right. And so to have people come together and feel that kind of support gives people courage to to dream again. Yeah. And then it gives people courage to leap. And and it's hard to do that without a support system. Yeah. Like I had a therapist for years and I actually initially initially started the conversation by I'm not here for your advice. <laughs> I don't want you to fix me. I'm as broken as anybody else, but that's not why I'm here. I said I just want um I want us to have someone hold space for me because mm-hmm. that's eternally my job. And yeah. I, I, and re- really what I did for years was just figure out my own stuff yeah. in someone else's presence. Like he helped with that container. I made really courageous choices during that time. But as soon as you go back into your box, like you need ongoing support, yeah. right? I love my family so much, but it's hard for me to remember who I am around them. Right. Because they have a different view of me, right. and it's contagious. Yeah. It's like fear is contagious, and and so is inspiration. <laughs> so I want to create a new kind of plague that's going to yeah. spread across the planet, <laughs> and it's it's going to be contagious. And it's it's believing in your uniqueness and not being afraid to be authentic. That's what we need. Yeah. And what I'm realizing in my own small little microcosm of a team that's bringing this into fruition is that we are like pumping each other up. Like we have accomplished so much in a short amount of time because we have each other. Yeah. And like one person will go through the doubt process, which will happen. Yeah. And I'll warn everybody, you're going to leave this thing and your brain's going to kick back on. Right. Here's what to do when that happens. Right. So we've all had things come up in our lives and... And I have some right now where it's like, I'm a little bit scared. I've left everything that's familiar to me with the exception of my children and my friendships. And my old conditioning says, this isn't gonna work out, right? (laughs) This is irresponsible, Angie. And so we're able to like pump each other up. And there's other ways to pump yourself up. So that you you can keep coming back to that place of trust. And you can flex your faith muscles. They're like any other muscles. I know about the faith ones. You know about the real ones. <laughs> faith is real. <laughs> I think you should teach me about the real muscles. The body muscles. How long do you think it would take for you to get me buff, Jeremy? Oh, uh, Two weeks? Three weeks? Uh, eight weeks. Oh, that's eight a weeks. long time. Oh, that's not that long. Okay. <laughs> that's the next show. We should do that. We should take before pictures and then we should do another podcast in how many weeks? Eight weeks? Eight weeks, sure. Yeah, I like that idea. Um, So, flexing faith muscles. What's the, so tell us the dates again. July 27th and 28th. And how can people sign up? Angie Knight with a K, like Knight in Shining Armor, AngieKnightYoga.com. Awesome. And then there's a Time to Fly tab. Awesome. Cool. All right. Yeah. <laughs> we could probably talk for six weeks. I think so. Well, we're going to have eight weeks to talk. So. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and so should we talk as we walk away? Uh, you might not have gain as much. Oh, really? Body muscles. Okay. <laughs> gain more of the talking muscles. Oh, so. yeah. I don't want to <laughs> uh, 
So thank you so much for being here. This has been super fun. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to do it again soon. Uh, and I'm excited to hear all about how the event goes. This is really cool. Yeah, thank you. Thank you yeah. for your support. And oh, thank you. Mm -hmm. We right. could just get sad all day long. <laughs>